Coming up next on the XR for Business podcast, we have Sam Schoonover from Golden Voice and Coachella, my favorite music festival in the world. We're going to be talking about augmented reality spaceships, augmented reality portals, bringing video to life in AR, and El Pollo Loco. All that and more coming up next on the XR for Business podcast. Sam, welcome to the show. Hey, Alan. How you doing? Thanks for having me. Oh, it's my absolute pleasure, man. Uh, as you know, and, and as people on the show who know, because I've mentioned it before, Coachella is one of my absolute favorite music festivals. And having been a DJ for 20 years myself, I've been to a few. Coachella is just this magical place. So I'm really excited to unlock two of my favorite things, music festivals and XR with you on the show. So thank you so much. Yeah, absolutely. Me as well. I think a lot of people out there would agree with you. Yeah, man. So tell me, how did you end up working with Coachella and what have you done before and how did you get there? And let's just get into it. Previous to this job, I was doing a whole assortment of different things in the music industry and I guess the technology industry as well. I was a freelance website developer. I had also been curating music and had developed a, a playlist curation application and then alongside that, I was promoting with various promoters in San Diego and Los Angeles and throwing shows. And that eventually, that and a music blog that I was doing at the time introduced me to the guy who started Splash House, which is a smaller music festival in Palm Springs. And through him, I met the Golden Voice team and uh, got involved at Golden Voice Digital in a roundabout way, ended up focusing entirely on innovation just for Coachella. What a dream job for somebody like here, your job is to focus on innovation, make really cool things that nobody's done in the world for the, one of the most impressive festivals in the world. Yeah, sure. I mean, it's, it's a lot of fun. It's fun to be able to focus on new things every day. Um, and, and we have like just such an incredible team at Golden Voice. The people who have been doing Coachella for the past 20 years are still involved and still loving it. And they're really the reason why this job even exists because they appreciate innovation and they understand its place in our future. And they understand that innovating and experimenting and sometimes failing, but always trying is a part of what makes things great and stand the test of time. Coachella is in a, in a unique situation where it's a successful music festival and it's a successful business. And so we have the ability to spend money on experiences like that. Well, not every festival out there is so lucky. Yeah, and and you guys, uh, well, you guys. I think it was before you even got there. But Coachella is no uh, no stranger to virtual and augmented reality. I remember in oh man, it must be 2015, 16. Uh, Coachella live streamed uh, 360 content to VR headsets, and I believe it was pushing to the. It was it was the the Samsung Gear VR at the time. Because I remember watching one of the one of the shows from there and thinking, oh man, I'm I'm literally like getting crazy FOMO. Yeah, you're right. It was uh, kind of our first foray actually into like, I guess what we would call the VR industry. I think as a lot of us have learned, those 360 music streaming experiences aren't super compelling. I just don't think the live music experience is so incredible that they haven't come close to replicating that quite yet. Uh, but nonetheless, there was a lot of great learnings. and I think it was really fun and also important to us from a branding perspective to be amongst the first live events, even doing something like that. And, and it was also a fun addition to the YouTube live stream, which is a really important experience for us and the fans. 
Yeah, I, I think there is a value to this still. Uh, the first experience I ever saw in VR was the Beck concert by Chris Milk. And, and I think people did the 360 video and then they kind of got away from it. But I think it still has value in the fact that being able to to be in places where you can't go, you can't stand next to the artist on stage at Coachella. You can't be on stage. You can't fly over the crowd. There's certain things like that where I think there's still going to be a value in in capturing that content. And I think the next thing would be how do we capture it volumetrically? But that gets crazy. But the other thing that I, in 20, I want to say 2016, 2017, you guys uh, did an AR, uh, the box. that. So I, for anybody who doesn't know, when you get the, the tickets for Coachella, it comes in this beautiful box with your wristbands, your tickets. It's like a, it's like a treasure chest of awesome. And one of the years, I think it was 2016 or 17, the box came with a full AR app that brought it all to life. How did that come along? Um, that w- I think usually when the welcome box lands, it's oh, like a really exciting time for the fans. And so yeah. we always like to think of experiences that can allude to programs and initiatives that we're working on for that year that we can like announce and promote to people during that time. And I think just the idea of in that year, we act, we recreated like a lot of historic Coachella art pieces in a new, fun, interesting way. And then when you scanned the Coachella box, it was like this little miniature version of Coachella with some historical art pieces and some art pieces from that year. Um, Everything was all lit up and glowing and sparkling and zoom your phone ran really far. I think it was kind of the first time that those 2D triggers really were being seen by the public. And so I think it was just a good opportunity for us to do something that that excited people and hopefully generated some some user content. All sorts of stuff around it. It was pretty awesome. So last year in 20, uh, I guess this year, 2019, uh, you guys stepped it up in a big way with with augmented reality. You want to talk about the, the oh, I just got I got to talk about the spaceship, man. It's yeah. crazy. <laughs> yeah, it was really fun. I think you know, a little bit of context and background, we, at some point in the future, I don't think anybody really knows when, but we're going to work very closely with artists to help them develop XR content for their performances. A very important part of an artist's performance that I think a lot of people don't think about is the stage from which they're performing on. And that stage introduces a lot of confines and a kind of restrictions as to what the artist can do and how the fan is going to view the show we're not ready i don't think artists are ready to incorporate that content into their performances i think it's still a little bit cost prohibitive but what we could do was start to scope out what it looks like to build xr experiences around a music festival stage and so that was kind of the point of the activation that we did this year i always say this last year too but it's still 2019 so last year we worked with a vendor called portals xr and we equipped a music festival stage with AR for the first time. Um, we chose the Sahara Tent, which is a stage that holds some of the most visually impactful production at the entire festival. It's a lot of where so where we look and book a lot of EDM and hip hop acts. And I think there's kind of a younger demo there. And we, we figured that perhaps... That stage is amazing. I got to see David Guetta on that stage. He was awesome. Yeah, yeah there's been a lot of... So a lot of the biggest names in, in dance music and hip-hop have played that festival stage since that music really got repopularized in the teens, early teens. So what we did was we they ingested a bunch of stage renderings from our stage design vendor and created a virtual replica of that stage. And we used the screens as markers to activate the content. And then we designed 
bunch of different space-themed 3D elements and position them inside the tent. So some of those elements were positioned universally for all users, means that everyone saw them in the same location based on where you were scanning the screen from. And then some were positioned locally, and there were elements that were just kind of duplicated above the heads of each user. The content that we designed was three different phases. The first was space objects. So it was like a sun that was kind of centrally located in the middle of the tent with like various planets that were orbiting around it. And then the next phase was more focused around man-made objects. And there was a space station and some asteroids. And of course, like this gigantic, almost life-size space shuttle that came out of the middle of the tent would just fly back and forth throughout it. And we also did a, a 3D rendering and animation of this astronaut art installation that we had on site this year. That was called Overview Effect. Um, and the last phase was another animation of an art installation called HIPPO, that stands for Hazardous Interplanetary Object. It was this artist group that's been to Coachella three times, and it's essentially a bunch of people dressed up as hippos, and they attempt to build various structures on site. And this year was like a really discombobulated and disjointed spacecraft. And so we animated it flying around the tent with hippos hanging off of it and crashing into things. We wanted to have three phases because we wanted there to be something different for people each time they came back. And these experiences only happened in between artists' sets. So it wasn't happening while artists were playing because we don't want to interfere with artists' shows. And we also like really don't want to try and enable or inspire people to be using their phones during artist performances. I don't think they want it. Truthfully, I don't really... Not convinced that people want to experience things through their phones. They might want no, to capture. They want to capture a segment and throw it on exactly. Instagram, and that's about it. Exactly, exactly. So we're we're trying to stay away from that uh, for at least these first few years until we gather some more learnings. But um, I think it will change when when it goes to head worn because if I'm wearing yeah. a pair of glasses and I can still dance and see my friends and party, but the stage is like in three dimensions all around me, that, that's different than holding up a six inch phone or whatever it is and trying to look through a screen. Uh, yeah. 100% agree. And, and, there's a lot, and the great thing about what you guys did there is there's lots of time in between acts. You got maybe half an hour or 40 minutes in between each act on each stage. So that gives you kind of, this beautiful window of time to experiment. Totally. That was exactly the idea. How did you get people to do it? Did you put things up on the screen? Uh, yeah, we have a lot of different marketing channels. You know, we were talking about it on socials, on site. We were sending mobile messages. You know, people, we have very, very high penetration of people who are using the Coachella application on site. And we can send messages to them based on where they are. And so we sent a lot of messages to people as they were walking into the Sahara tent with instructions on how to use the experience. Um, and I think that's where we got a lot of people. Yeah, it's super, super cool. I, I really regret not getting to Coachella this year. Oh. We should have had you come and DJ, Alan. Uh, man. I, I actually DJed um, for Heineken House a few years ago. We brought the the emulator there and we built, because um, along the lines of technology, you know, Heineken being one of the sponsors that year, yeah. I think every year pretty much, but they brought the emulator in. And instead of letting the DJs play on it, which is cool, they let the audience play on it and, and make their own mixes. Uh, we, we turned it into a thing called um, the Remix Experience. And it allowed art, uh, anybody to walk up. And it was all these buttons. There's about 30, I think 32 buttons on it. And it didn't matter what button or combination you pressed. The one row was vocals, one was synths, one was bass, one was drums. And then you could just make your own thing. So basically, it was a big MIDI controller for Ableton in the back end. Oh, that's very cool. Super cool. We had a lot of fun. 
two, two weeks of Coachella was awesome. <laughs> yeah, it very much so. Is. You're staying in the, the Heineken, uh, not the Heineken house uh, on site, but they actually rent a, a giant house. And we were staying there and we went to a party next door and it was Skrillex's place that he rented. <laughs> oh, yes. I think I was actually at that party, funny that enough. Fun. <laughs> it was all kind of industry people. <laughs> yep. Yep. So much fun. So what, what is something that you kind of have seen in the last six months since Coachella that you're like, wow, we got to try that. What, what's something that's wowed you? Because I mean, you're creating, wow, what wows you? Yeah, sure. I mean, there's just been this, this industry and this field is so exciting because there's so much happening at all times. I think, you know, just off the top of my head, a few things that are exciting are, one, I think like a lot of the progress that has been made around the the AR cloud and the ability to create point clouds and renderings of 3D objects to build AR experiences on top of that are like three-dimensional. That technology has gotten a lot easier. We've seen Snapchat introduce the capability with landmarkers. And I think there's a lot of players in the space that are doing some really exciting things, enabling people to capture these point clouds with just their phone cameras and making those 3D maps small enough of a file size that we can deploy it on side of the festival. We're always worried about connectivity. If you've been yeah. to Coachella, you know, sometimes yeah. it's not always easy to get a signal. So those those point clouds that are small enough to be able to deliver to people on site is important. Uh, so that's exciting. I think a lot of the, a lot of the engines that are enabling people to overlay AR content onto videos and like live videos. I think all that is really, really interesting. Just oh, you got to of... meet my friend Luke from Genie. Yeah. Oh, I know. I know. Luke. Oh, you know Luke? Oh, awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Luke's a good, yeah. good friend. So, yeah, he, that's exactly what they do is overlay VR and, or sorry, AR on top of uh, videos, moving videos. Yeah. I know. Um, not an easy problem to solve, actually. No, it's not at all. Um, and I think that creates some interesting opportunities for artists to capture content, live content with with AR elements on top of it, whether that relates to a show or something in one of their studios or whatever it may be. I think those are two. Those I even are think, you know, just, just bringing like, because everybody watches music videos on YouTube these days. So even having a little symbol at the bottom saying, point your phone at this symbol and maybe it's just a barcode or something, but being able to, to use your phone, cause let's be honest, everybody sits there with their phone watching TV. Like it's just a thing. So if you're already got your phone in your hand, why not point it at the TV and see like three dimensional things coming out of the TV screen just at home. And I think at a concert, it's different. You, you want to be fully there and present with your friends, but sitting at home watching a YouTube video would be pretty awesome to have the M&M step out and be in your living room. For sure. I think I, I totally agree. I think uh, the last thing I'll add to that list is just the decreased cost of producing experiences like this, I think yeah. will enable us to deploy more and offer them to some of our brand partners as well. At a, at a point. I, and I don't know if it's been done or it's been the works, but I want to see a, a volumetric capture uh, stage or just a volumetric capture rig set up for mm-hmm. a brand where people can basically get a 30 second selfie of them volumetrically and then push that out and send an AR selfie from Coachella with all their friends. I think that would be really awesome. As soon as you find a way to make that somewhat affordable, you let me know. (laughs) We'll talk offline. I have a few solutions to that. Okay, great. Because I mean, let's be honest, it's pretty badass to be able to do a volumetric selfie. Yeah, for sure it is. I think it's also like, 
you know, the ability to, de to deploy that or distribute, like send that selfie in a way that keeps it volumetric and as like an AR asset is also important, you know? Yeah, we, we just invested in a platform that will allow you to do that on web, um, completely on web. Yeah, that'll be launched next year, but yeah, we'll talk offline. Oh, <laughs> yeah, yeah let's do that. super fun. So what, what else, like, what else have you seen that you're just like, man, like we got to have that. I know you can't talk about what's coming up next this year or next year, but let's dig into what excites you. Like, what have you seen? Have you tried the magic leap? I have tried the magic leap. Yeah. I tried the magic leap and, um, and real. Oh, and the Unreal ones are great. A few of the others. Yeah, they are. I would love to do some sort of activation on site, like a, almost like a silent disco with, Ooh, uh, silent disco. What? Yeah, it would be fun. The only issue is that there is a lot of operational difficulties in terms of distributing those glasses, the cost of those glasses, getting someone to pay for it and such. But I think something like that will be very possible and sometime in the next few years. That'd be fun. I think also what's interesting that um, is really exciting me is kind of like the innovation happening around UX and UI for AR experiences and like what the ux ui overlay on top of a camera for people who are experiencing an ar world of sorts mm -hmm. will look like um have you seen the new snapchat glasses i have not so version three uh in snapchat listen i i think snapchat it's going to be the sleeper you got magic leap you got nreal you got hololens you got all these companies but snapchat uh, their new glasses, they just do what they did before. They take a video, but in post-production, so you, you, you stream yeah. the video to your phone and then you can add digital content on it after the fact and then post it as if it was in the real world while you were mm. taking the video. That's going to be super cool. That is going to be super cool. I agree with you that they're the sleeper. I feel like they've kind of just pivoted a little bit and are working actively towards becoming this AR platform of the future, whereas and just kind of, kind of really focusing on that, right? Well, if you think about it, my guess is, and, and I'm, I could be wrong on this, but I don't think so. Snapchat is the biggest user of augmented reality in the world, hands down. Yeah. Uh, if you look at, they, they do about a trillion snaps a year and a huge number of those proportionate. Uh, I think it's something like, I read a stat, something like 90% of, of uh, Snapchat users have used the AR function in the last week. It's nuts. And they don't wow. use the word AR at all. They just no. use the lens. So people are using AR, not even thinking about it as AR, uh, which is fine. It's great. Yeah, I think, I think that's really important too. You know, I think when it comes to how, as like business owners, how we position these types of experiences, I think there's a lot of uh, people tend to use like the industry jargon, which is kind of unapproachable to the end consumer. We did um, some surveys last year, and we found out that the majority of people were just surveying people inside the Sahara tent, asking them like a few quick questions about AR. And the majority of people have no idea what that is. Um, and so I think like sometimes we tend to use industry jargon in our public-facing promotions because we want people to think that we're forward-thinking and cutting edge, when in reality, like we could probably do a lot better for engagement and for just involving people in the in the program if we built more of a story around it and didn't use those types of words like snapchat does they're really like face filters and they're creating experiences that are ar but people don't think of it like that and so they're it's a little bit more approachable to them and i think that's really important and i think one of the things that that even location-based vr for example um one of the things that I, I realized was amazing in dubai was this place called vr park and 
they took regular HTC Vive games, which you only need a 10 by 10 space. And it's not really, if you look at it, it's not very sexy. It's two sensors in the headset. But what mm-hmm. they did was they built a whole like physical set around it. So when you walked into to the, the thing, you were in a bank. So it was like um, what they call the John Wick uh, game. So you walked into like this bank and it was all built like a facade. And then you went into a bank vault and like all the drawers were scattered everywhere. Then you put on the VR headset and you're kind of in that realm. Uh, and I thought that was a really good way to kind of prepare people emotionally and psychologically for the experience. The void uh, is the opposite of that, where they've built everything into the experience where they've got scent machines and haptics and things you can touch, but it's all digital um, mixed with the kind of a physical that you can't see. And I don't know if you've ever been to the void, but if you take your headset off, it's pretty un- uninspiring. It's just like wood walls. There's nothing there. So. <laughs> I made the mistake of doing that. It totally breaks your presence. <laughs> Totally. I did, I did the IMAX experience that was around, I think, I don't know if it's still around in LA. What would you recommend on that note? Like Void or Sandbox, which is the more compelling experience? Have you tried them both? Which one? The Void or the Sandbox or Sandbox VR? I haven't tried Sandbox. I've done the Void. How's Sandbox? Okay. I haven't done it yet. That's what I was asking. Should I, should I do Void? Is it worthwhile? Uh, the void's amazing, man. Like honestly, yeah. if, I, if I were you guys, I would even just make a deal with the void to have a void system set up at Coachella for maybe it's 20 bucks a person um, the whole weekend because it is really, it's an amazing experience and you can share it with multiple people. Interesting. Yeah, I, I think it would be really, you know, it wouldn't take nothing to build uh, on site, I don't think. Yeah, because it's really just a box, isn't it? Literally, well, what they did, was, and I think why they're going to be successful and why Sandbox is going to be successful is because they didn't go for these giant free roam spaces. They, they took a 2,500 square foot space and made, made it through redirected walking. So you feel like you're in this infinite space moving around, walking around, interacting with things, but you're really in a small room with a door. <laughs> Yeah, that's interesting. It's, it's wise to keep the square footage down because ultimately those businesses are also real estate businesses too, right? 100%. And, and it's, it comes down to number of people you can get through per hour. So it's throughput at times the square footage, and that's that's how you get your revenue model. So having a big footprint is not in your best interest as a location-based entertainment experience. Yeah, totally. I mean, that, that same throughput is how we predict uh experiences like that on coachella too you know we had a i don't know if you ever saw it, but we had a big projection mapped dome experience uh that hp was the brand partner on and you know i'm thinking about that experience we're constantly measuring throughput how many people are going to see it how many hours the festival open what's the line going to be like all those things are really important metrics when we consider those physical activation experiences it's you're absolutely true and i think one of the things that coachella does really well is is spread it out so that there's adventure at every corner even if you just look at the map of coachella it's vast like walking from one end of the of the festival to the other is like 40 minutes it's a really amazing experience to be in such a big place but at night you've got the silent disco daytimes you've got what is it seven stages six stages yeah, I think seven stages, seven stages now. and food vendors everywhere. And, and like one of the stages is a is a, like a nightclub. You walk in, it's middle of the day in Yuma tent. Oh my god, it's so amazing! You walk in, it's totally blacked out, lasers, lights, smoke. You feel like you're it's like five in the morning. You're jamming out. You walk outside, and it's sunny. It's like noon. <laughs> it's crazy. The Yuma tent was cool. The Yuma tent came around before like the house and techno revolution even hit America and it's been just chugging along ever since. It's a, a fan favorite for sure. Yeah, my my buddy does the the lighting there, Steve Lieberman. 
he he does a lot of the lighting for that specific tent. Oh, very cool. Yeah, he's super cool. He, he does the, like all stage designs for monster festivals and stuff. So yeah, it's pretty exciting stuff. The lighting in that tent alone is incredible. It's it really is. How far can you take club lighting and put it in like the context of a music festival? Apparently, pretty far. Yeah, very far. <laughs> like I, I'm looking at some of the new stages coming out of you know EDC and like just the big festivals. And man, every year there's like there's a new type of light. So this year there's one that's like a really really tight thin beam on a moving head. When you have a hundred of them coming out of the stage, it's just wow, it's incredible. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they really like start blending the lines between lights and lasers and the functionality of both. It's pretty pretty awesome. It really is, and that's really a form of of virtual and augmented reality. You're, you're augmenting the whole space, and a good lighting designer not only kind of has this front facing here's all of the things but a lot of like for example the what's the tent called the the big one with the djs sahara sahara tent there's lights all over the tent like above you behind you around you it just makes you feel like you're in something bigger than just a stage with an artist on front it's it's all enveloping your senses immersive i think is the word we like to use that is the word (laughs) so immersive it is and now i have a question have you ever got if you guys ever thought about using scent machines as part of the stage show you know i it might have been proposed at some point i don't work around like stage production or artist production that's a much more well-equipped uh colleagues of mine but (laughs) Um, I'm sure I'm sure they've been proposed it at some point. It's amazing. So the thing with AR, you've got glasses, you know, Nreal, Magically, we've got all these glasses, but really when it comes down to anything at scale right now, it's the device in everybody's pocket. It's it's the little magic window of your phone. But mm-hmm. uh, it's predicted, and I, I think we're on track, that over 2 billion smartphones will be AR-enabled uh, by the end of this year. Yeah, I sure hope so. That's the that is the focus of our mobile AR strategy at Coachella, smartphones. So let me ask you a question, and, and this goes beyond the actual festival. How do you then engage people that aren't at the festival to participate somehow? Because like I can't always be there, but I would love to participate. So how how do you see that happening? Maybe I think that part of that has to come with volumetric experiences, and I think part of it has to comes with enabling artists to deploy. AR content that they might own through the mobile application because you know we have more people download the application than even attend the festival. So there's a lot of people like yourself who download the application and they want to know about Coachella, what's happening, what's new, what we're tinkering with. And there's a lot of artists now who have created AR content for their brand or their music releases, whether it's a face filter or a portal of some sort. And so you know, when you go onto artist, the artist's pages on the app, you can see various links out to their social platforms, to um, music with our partner, YouTube Music. And, you know, one day there will be a place where you can see AR content that they've created and want to, to deploy at Coachella for either people to take pictures with on site or for people who are at home watching the YouTube live stream to deploy onto their coffee table. Can't wait. I'm so excited. Here's another thing. How many employees does Coachella have for that one festival? Thousands and thousands. I don't know an exact number, but the staff for Coachella, it goes up and down over the course of the year, depending upon the season. But come January, there's a lot of people that start working full time on the festival all the way through the end of April. And so 
your balloons from January through April. And then the month of April, when you have a lot of the temporary but very important staff on site, like security guards and mm-hmm. stage managers and uh, the people who are building the stages, you know, it gets thousands and thousands of people. Have you guys ever thought about using VR uh, as a training mechanism for those thousands of people? Something as simple as putting them in an experience where they just get to kind of wander around from point to point so that, that people that are maybe new to the festival who don't know where everything is, they can familiarize themselves with not only the, the safety uh, and security, but also where things are and how, so that they're more helpful on, on site. Yeah, sure. I think it's an interesting concept. I'm, there's also just like, at this time, a cost-benefit analysis that we have to run. You know, If we're going to give them a, a virtual tour of Coachella, what does it cost to create that virtual space of Coachella? How else are we leveraging that asset or utilizing it on, in other programs? Those are just kind of the questions that we have to ask ourselves. But I think as the tech to produce and just deploy those things gets cheaper, then it's definitely something that we would look at, especially when it comes to jobs that might be a little risky or unsafe to practice or train in. Um, giving people the ability to do that in a virtual space would be important and, and safer. Well, I think also we've been talking about this on the show kind of repeatedly, but one VR headset can train multiple people. You could probably train 100, 200 people with one headset. It doesn't have to be one headset per person. So I think there's definitely for the unsafe and risky, but also just general understanding of where things are um, before people come on site because uh, thousands of employees, you want to make sure they all have a baseline of knowledge of things. And with VR, you can actually start to test that as well and, and test their proficiency and not so much test them as as just make sure they're prepared. Absolutely, especially when it comes down to a lot of times the security guards at the front line, from the fans' perspective, they likely will not talk to one Golden Boy staff member their entire time at Coachella, but they talk to security guards all the time, asking them where things are, where to find things, where the entrance or exit is. And the security guards are great for that reason, and it would probably be even more beneficial if they knew where specific things were that sometimes they might not know the answer to. So it'd be, yeah, it'd be useful from a training perspective, and it would also be useful from a fan perspective if they could get an idea of before they enter the festival site, kind of get a virtual tour of the festival site without giving away anything, of course. Let's talk about it further offline because I think this is something that this intrigues me. And how do we train thousands of people quickly uh, and bring them up to a certain level of proficiency and then reuse those assets for a different way? And one of the things that we keep telling our customers, look, if you're going to build like a virtual whatever, maybe it's a machine and you bring in your CAD data and you want to train somebody on the machine, well, that same... 3D data that we just spent maybe 50 grand taking it from CAD to putting it into 3D and then putting it into VR. Well, that same thing, that same asset can be used in AR. It can be used on your website. It can be used for training. It can be used for marketing. And I think a lot of companies see it as just a cost center. It's like, oh, this is going to cost a lot of money. But if you, like you said, reuse and recycle this material uh, throughout the organization, you actually end up spreading out the cost quite a bit and getting more about value and benefit from it. Yeah, I absolutely agree. We should definitely have that conversation. We shall. <laughs> awesome. What else do you want to do? You want to talk about? Is there anything else that you uh, that you want to talk about that you want to share before we wrap this up? Um, you know, I think maybe just kind of uh, hyping. I know that the kind of purpose of this podcast is to kind of help inform and inspire people to use XR. And I think a lot of you know, there's a lot of incredible advice out there around the technology and its use cases in a business context. 
Um, but I think what a lot of people don't talk about enough is just that we should always be thinking about ways in which we can tell a story and create a program that I think is more relatable and fits into not only it has to obviously fit into the brand, but you know, you can also think about how that fits into the story of consumers who use your products or services. There was a really great example, one of my favorite business use cases was El Pollo Loco did this mural activation. Did you see anything about it? I didn't actually dig into it, but I did see that it was there. It basically hold your phone up to a, I think it was a painting on a wall or something, wasn't it? Yeah, it was. It was in honor of Hispanic Heritage Month and El Pollo Loco celebrated Mexican heritage and a lot of their customers by bringing five different murals to life in LA. And there was also like a real world aspect to their initiative where they donated some of their storefronts as a place for real life murals to take place. Super cool. That was just such a great story. That's super relatable. And if you're a person who has no idea anything about AR or even what that means, it's still something that is going to inspire you to pick up a phone and give it a try. And I think that's like an example of a great success in, in this space. I love things that that bring uh, a wider um, education or social aspect to it, like that, bringing uh, a focus to Hispanic heritage. And it's really wonderful. And for anybody who's flying into LA, El Pollo Loco is within a block of the airport. It's always my first stop. Those dollar chicken things are great. Yeah, they are. <laughs> and then uh, In-N-Out Burger, man. That's like my LA staples. Yeah, where, where's In-N-Out's AR experience, man? They, they, it doesn't seem like a brand fit, to be honest. I don't no, know. They're definitely not a brand fit. They no. have, a, they have like five things on the menu for the entire lifetime of the company. No, probably not. What is one problem in the world that you want to see solved using XR technologies? I think that XR's power to inspire empathy in certain situations is really strong. So I don't necessarily have like uh, one specific problem, but I think that people who can use VR to view the planet from above or experience a day in the life of someone who lives in a favela or use AR to better understand issues or problems that are plaguing society around the world the use of that technology will inspire more people to get involved with these issues. And that's kind of a, a sum result that I'm excited to experience. Awesome, brother. Well, thank you again. That's a wrap. Thanks so much, Sam. Cool. It was great. Great being here. I appreciate it, Alan. Being an influencer on LinkedIn in the XR field uh, really has opened up an opportunity for us to not only understand what corporations are looking for in virtual augmented mixed reality and artificial intelligence, but also from the aspect of the startup studios, developers, and enthusiasts out there and what they need. So what we decided to do after getting hundreds and hundreds of messages is to open up XR Ignite to the entire XR community of startups, studios, individuals, passionate people, and really to build a new community that brings together everybody who's passionate about this technology for a low cost and allow them to contribute, to learn, and to get better across the whole industry. That is really the reason why we started XR Ignite, to hyper-accelerate the XR for business industry, business and education. And one of the things that we just keep noticing is that there's so many resources out there. There's the VRAR Association, which we're partners with. There are you know, reports coming out daily, 
but there's no one source where people can come together and start just having conversations around how to get better in this industry. And that's why we started XR Ignite. I would encourage anybody who's listening to this podcast, if you're in the corporate side, if you're a startup, if you're an individual, if you're an enthusiast, sign up today at xrignite.com and you'll be getting access to new reports, investor lists, media lists, exclusive content, interviews with our mentors. We have over 56 mentors. And if you're a startup and you pay an annual fee, you'll actually have the opportunity to book a one-on-one, one-hour call with one of the mentors. What we're doing with that is we're actually recording those sessions, we're transcribing them, taking out any personal information, and we're making those transcripts available to all members. So I think XR Ignite is gonna drive a lot of value for anybody in this industry who's looking to up their game, and also for corporates who want a real insight as to what technology is coming out. So I would encourage everybody to sign up at xrignite.com, and I really look forward to driving value, executing on our mission to hyper-accelerate XR for business and education.